This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions. Nancy Lottridge Anderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives, is en route this morning. Some uh, wet weather here in the Jackson area, so Nancy having a little trouble navigating the interstates, but we hope to have her on the show uh, before too much longer. We're discussing some tips on how to get a loan today. Do you need a loan to start a small business or a new vehicle that maybe you're trying to buy for the family? Or maybe your family needs its first home. So give us a call this morning. We'll be talking all about getting a loan, but also we're taking your personal finance questions as we do each Tuesday. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email. It's money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Chris. Hope that you're doing well. I'm doing great. So, you know, we were chatting before we came on the air about the, the big Super Bowl game uh, uh, Sunday. I think uh, people still chatting about that. Uh, and had we were talking about commercials. And um, I wonder, with uh, ratings declines, I mean, there's still a lot of people that watch, but I think I read that this was one of the lower-rated Super Bowls since uh, in the last maybe five or six years. So I'm wondering if maybe companies are, are rethinking the idea of paying a gazillion dollars for something that fewer people are watching. Yeah, I mean, they have to evaluate it. I mean, it makes sense. It's just good business sense. And do they feel like it's uh, beneficial to them is the return on their investment? And, um, uh, yeah, I, I know 20 years ago what you paid for a commercial compared to what you're paying for it now is a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more now. Uh, so it's just uh, I feel confident over a period of the next six months they continue to evaluate this and do we need to do this again or not. I think, uh, I think my favorite one was uh – the one with uh, Mr. Clean that, uh, you know, Mr. Clean was the, that buff Mr. Clean running all over the kitchen. And then finally it turns back to the, the woman's husband, who, much to his credit, was there doing all that cleaning. So uh, that was interesting. But, yeah, it, it, it just seems like there's not as many of the the water cooler ones uh, anymore. And so maybe maybe companies have decided it's, it's really not worth all that money uh, to do that. Uh, as I mentioned, today we're talking about getting a loan, but as always on Tuesday, we're looking for any personal finance questions that you might have. So give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So we talk about some common types of loans. There are auto loans, I guess mortgage loans, personal loans, business loans, student loans. Um, are some of these, do you think, h- harder to get or harder to be approved for? Is it more depending on the amount of money that you're trying to borrow? What are some of the things that lenders use to decide uh, who gets approved and who doesn't? Well, you know, uh, I would say kind of some common denominators in there. Or there's got to be uh, cash flow or income. Um, uh, there's got to be, there's going to be, they're going to look at credit. Um, uh, also, you know, what's the purpose of the loan? And I, and I'm just saying purpose. So, uh, you know, those are some common denominators, uh, you know, and, um, uh, all of them, <clears throat> all of them are valuable for consumers and businesses. That's the kind of the way we, I'm not going to say everybody operates, but at some point in time, I'd probably say, uh, individual or business, they had to borrow money to, for some reason. And, um, 
they had to meet certain standards to get the money. And well, not all the time, but probably a very high percentage of the time, there's collateral involved uh, to pretty much back the loan. And uh, so, again, it just uh, everybody's got, you know, uh, Kevin, everybody's got different needs, different situations. Um, you know, they're they're very, I'd say they're very large credits out there. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, it's, um, big city, big money. I mean, some and um, uh, then there's small, small credits out there that somebody says, "Look, I just need maybe a little personal loan to uh, of two thousand dollars to do this or, or that." But um, so, it, it, but it serves its purpose, is needed uh, in communities or throughout, and um, and it's it's been there years ago, and it's still gonna it's still gonna be there. And obviously, I think the first two you mentioned, income and credit, that seems to be related. Uh, you know, they want to know how much money you currently are making or have and then what, what your credit worthiness is, obviously, because uh, people making the loans want some sort of guarantee or some sort of idea of, of, of that they'll get the money paid back. And so those two kind of go together. To I would guess that maybe really is the basis of, I mean, where kind of it all starts is to decide who gets approved for a loan and who doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it's and usually when they're lending money is the, the, the particular lender they you know we want to make sure we get our money paid back and you know where's their or you know our, here's our uh, policies and procedures to go through uh to make sure that we do make the best decision possible and um uh some sometimes you know you know loans are made and sometimes they're not made they're turned down for certain reasons uh we got a caller on the line so why don't we start things off by saying good morning to jim in jackson hello jim I have a question about my FICO score that I follow each month. Okay. Yes, I, applied, I applied for a mortgage, and there were three different companies that uh, did a credit check on me in connection with applying for that mortgage. My FICO score went down, and the reason they cited was because there were several credit inquiries. Why does that cause my FICO score to go down just because a company made a credit inquiry? Well, when you're trying to borrow money, um, and they call that kind of a hard hit, um, uh, it's just the way it's set up, and um, that's the way they built the formula or their system that when you try to borrow money, that means you're trying to see if you can get approved, and then that means you're going to go into some debt. And um, uh, But that's honestly, that's just the way they've set it up, uh, and usually it, you know, uh, yeah, it does make your score go down a little bit. Um, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how many points did it make it go down? Just to give me an idea. Six points. Okay, yeah, that and that's that sounds. And I'm 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 not the FICO expert, but I'm saying is that makes sense to me. Um, now, if you um, you know, I, and and in this part of the process, kind of like a, and again, I think it still applies if you try to buy a car. There's like a window of time in there that if a bunch of lenders try to approve you, they only count it really as one hit, hard hit. And it's kind of really the same thing in the mortgage world. It's like one hard hit only, uh, which protects that score. So, um, uh, you know, that's not bad. Now, it might, you know, honestly, it might take a couple months for it to kind of bump back up a little bit. Uh, but that's not bad at all, really not. All right, uh, Jim, uh, thanks for your call. Uh, yeah, I, I would think that, as you said, it's probably a temporary thing. And I think when we talk about credit scores, you really do need to look more on the on the long view as opposed to the short view, because there are a lot of things that might temporarily increase or decrease your score. But uh, if you maintain good credit 
um, practices, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, in the long run, your score will probably be good and be fairly stable. You know, and, and if you're if you're at a 750 or higher, in all honesty, I would say unless there's something from a credit standpoint, that's really yeah, that's pretty good. Um, you know, and I don't know what the I don't know what the cutoff is on mortgages now. I think it used to be around 630, maybe 640. And uh, somebody's out there in the mortgage world, they can let's kind of know what where it is right now. But I think it's around 630, 640 credit score to potentially either refi or buy a house. Um, some lenders have higher standards. Uh, in the, in the, in if uh, lender A wants to, they, they lend money to buy cars, they might say, look, our cutoff is, you know, 695 on a credit score. One lender might be a 720. Um, and again, they're, uh, there's reasonings that they have in place. Uh, their data, they'd research, and uh, that's what they're, you know, that's the reason why. Um, so it, it's, um, it's, it's a valuable tool. It's been out there scoring. It's been out there a number of years now, many years now. And, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes sense in what they're trying to accomplish with it. And I guess probably they maybe have done some minor tweaking, but this, as you mentioned, this system's been in place for a while, and it seems to be working fairly well. But again, I, I like the idea you pointed out the difference. The, the hard hit is, is something when you initiate a, a request for credit versus a soft hit is like just a credit card company looking at your uh, information. And, and I remember when I got a credit report a couple of years ago, I was surprised at the, the number of soft hits that you can get. So, I mean, it, it looks like a lot of credit card companies are constantly going through people's credit reports to see who they might send an offer yeah, to. And it used to be, I don't know if they, you know, Ken, they, things are changing all the time and um, things are moving fast, but it used to be the, you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies out there would get access to kind of what I kind of call marketing list. Um, and they send out applications or offers, let's say offers, to residents of certain zip codes, mm-hmm. they they even maybe they might you know I don't know again I don't know if they're doing it now but you know I used to maybe sell marketing list uh, credit reporting agencies would sell mark but there's no confidential it might be that uh, we want somebody that's had two open count two open accounts for at least a year a score above a six twenty and uh, they've had their file open at least seven years and then all they do is it's a name and address mm-hmm. and that's it and um. Uh, and they might get 10,000 of these and say, boom, you know, we're going to flood the market. And we feel like, you know, six, 16% are going to be a, a fill out the forms and we'll prove, you know, mm-hmm. 25% out of that 16. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we have got Jim and Tupelo and Amy and Biloxi on the line. We're going to get to your questions right after this break. And if you're listening, we can take your personal finance question, or if it's about getting a loan, we'll try to answer that question as well. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this short break.
you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter-Janderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives, has made it into the studio. So today we are talking about getting a loan, but we're also looking for any personal finance questions that you have, as we do each Tuesday. Call us. So you've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Uh, Jim's on the line from Tupelo. Jim, thanks for holding. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. Morning. I just uh, wanted to get um, a comment from, from you on uh, what are, in, uh, are called uh, title loan companies or uh, payday loan companies. Uh, here in Tupelo, they're apparently one on every street corner, so they must be pretty profitable. Uh, just wanted you, again, your comment on giving people advice and dealing with these kind of companies uh, to obtain credit and what you think our state legislature's responsibility is in letting these people operate. Thank you. Well, you know, title loan, payday loan companies, check cashing companies, how, you know, everybody kind of uh, say you kind of throw it all in one pot. Um, they've been around for a number of years. Um, uh, honestly, it's very expensive. Uh um, it's, uh, are they serving, um, consumers maybe that have, that they have needs for short-term money? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm not saying right or wrong there. Um, uh, I just tell you, it's very, very expensive. I would, as a consumer though, I would seek out every avenue possible before I would, um, uh, try to entertain borrowing money, uh, through that avenue. Uh, I know this is, um, uh, been through the legislature. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't keep up with politics too much, but I just remember back, um, it was pretty fiery here probably a few years ago. Um, but, um, uh, evidently I, I think, um, uh, let's say, um, uh, enforcement and, uh, controls have been put in place to try to regulate, uh, these organizations a little bit tighter. Um, but, um, uh, you know, if anybody's got any basic questions, probably I'm going to say they could probably call the Mississippi uh, Banking and Finance Commission and get questions, uh, uh, ask questions, and they could probably assist you there. Uh, so, again, it's um, uh, they're all over the state, and I think they're all over a lot of states, and not just Mississippi only. And, uh, but bottom line, it's, it's in a very expensive process. Uh, or way to get money, and um, you just really need to think about it, and um, uh, before you maybe entertain that. And again, it's that it's your own personal decision what you do, though. Well, I'm going to have a few harsher words for the payday <laughs> lenders. Um, yes, they exist because there is a demand for what they supply. Um, they loan to people who could not get loans approved through a regular banking or other. Uh, credit system. And so they do serve a purpose. But when you start to see one on every corner, that tells you that they're making a ton of money. And if we look at the interest rate that they charge, we think, oh, that doesn't look like it's that unreasonable, but it's for a very short period of time. And when you take that further out, you'll see astronomical rates that they're charging and they get away with that going beyond the usury laws because of these being short-term loans we know that most 
most people, once they start into that cycle, it's very hard to get out of it. They often cannot repay on time, and then it just gets doubled up, and it gets to be into a real difficult situation. And uh, yes, we've had a lot of arguments. Um, I am of the mindset to allow these to exist because they do serve a function, and yes, they should be able to charge a higher rate because they are taking higher risk with higher risk borrowers, but the rates they are charging are ridiculous. And so I do think we need to have um, more restrictions on what they can do. You know, and I will say, Nancy, I guess in our world, in counseling world, uh, since I've been there 16 years, we've come across a number of people, and you said the cycle, and um, probably honestly, the worst situation I'd seen years ago was a man had over $10,000 worth of checks out. Oh my goodness. And, and, And I think though, there's no way to get out of that one. Yeah, and there was not really any regulation uh, uh, under normal under normal conditions. They didn't get out of it back then. They came to us, and uh, we had a counselor that, I'm be honest with you, got really aggressive with folks and worked it out. And they they paid our organization, and we paid the credit the, all these companies, but it took about four years. And they yeah. back then, yeah, there were certain allowances, but it's kind of changed since then and regulatory. Uh, regulations are in place. I don't. Nobody can get to that level now. But uh, that was not the norm. That was a huge exception. So. Well, we're starting to see some local banks um, working with these communities and um, trying to price those loans appropriately, not at these ridiculous rates. And that seems to be the answer. And also, if we really start to educate people and get them into the regular system. So that they are, as you say, go meet your local banker and mm-hmm. uh, get familiar with the process and start to work on building some credit, then you don't have to use these. All right, Jim, thanks for your call. And I would also say, as Chris mentioned, I believe it was uh, discussed in the state legislature. I don't remember the outcome, but I would always encourage anyone that has uh, an idea, a cause maybe that they think uh, uh, state lawmakers need to take up, the way to go it would be to contact your local uh, representative or senator and move from there. That's the way. I will say the payday lending lobby is very strong. But that you know, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I think uh, maybe if uh, you would uh, talk to your local representative, that's a way to voice your concerns on an issue like this. Let's move on. Next, we've got Amy in Biloxi. Good morning, Amy. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you. My daughter has had a student loan for about fifteen years, and she's paid about four thousand on it. She still owes six thousand, and now she is in no position to even make the minimum payment on it. And I wondered, and she's had deferment, if that's the term to use. I just wondered if you have advice, suggestions that could encourage us or help us with this. I would appreciate it. Okay. Is she just not employed or does she not make enough money? Minimally employed. She's not able to do what she had her degree for. Okay. Um, With it being an older loan, some of the newer loans, we have more room and more flexibility. Mm -hmm. But I will say she might want to check to see if there's a way for her to sign up for uh, income payments. And what this does is limit the payment based on your current income. And it will increase as your income increases. And you have to keep paying that. I think it's 10%. And uh, as long as you do that for this period of time, then um, if there's something left at the end, it will be forgiven. That's the way most of it works. So look at that first. 
Um, also, be grateful that it's only six thousand because we get calls yeah. all the time with you know sure. twenty five, fifty, a hundred thousand. So this is something that can be managed. And if she's already used deferral, I would suggest again go uh, online and look for this income payment system. If not, consider a second deferral. I will. I will do that. And what did you mean at the end? Well, the um, the income system payments, which is limits the payments that you have to make based on your income. Right. Uh, and I think it's 10 years. Is that right, Chris? Is that? Okay. Uh, uh, there is a number of years. I can't remember oh. exactly where if okay. you've if you've adhered right. to that, uh, even when your income has gone up and you get to that end of that time period if there is money still left owing, that's forgiven. I understand now. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. I All right. did not know about that. Good Thank luck. You. Thanks, Amy, for that call. <clears throat> Let's move on next. We've got um, Randy in Kosciuszko. Good morning, Randy. You're on the air. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm calling uh, in regards to hard inquiries. It, it seems to me that two years is a little bit uh, much to hold hard inquiries on uh, credit card uh, applications and and it also seems that there should be a difference between the application and a request for a credit limit increase for the credit card you already have. Now, who, who do the credit bureaus have the complete say on that, or is that a government-regulated thing? Or it's just really the way the system is set up. I mean, now I'll say this: if you you know, let's just say it's a normal credit inquiry, which would be a hard hit. Right. Um, that's one thing, but but still, it's another loan request. If you've got a thousand dollar credit limit and you're requesting it to go to two thousand, example, raise your limit. That's like a new loan request to two thousand. It's not like well, they just raise up. They're going to have to do a hard hit on your credit report. So both of them are the same thing in hard hit. So that's what they're doing there. Um, I, I know you said something about two years as a hard inquiry. Um, I, and I'm being honest with you, I'm I, I know there's on the credit report it talks about inquiries and they, you know, they, they, they list them out there. But, uh, if, uh, going back to, to the, um, inquiry, it affects your score kind of, you know, short-term, you know, Kevin was saying it too, but over a period of time, it, it, it should kind of build back up as long as, you know, everything's kind of the norm. You're paying, charging and paying. Uh, it should gradually build back over time. So um, uh, it's just the bottom line. It's just kind of the way they've set the system up. Yeah, mine, mine's working out real well. I just thought maybe two years was a little too long to, you know, to hold an inquiry on your credit report. That was just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing, um, I, I read that, Several inquiries within a 14-day period only only counts as one inquiry, but that's not true. Uh, that's that that's coming back in, in the uh, that's what I said kind of talking earlier about the car loans within them as right. a gap period of time it should it should consolidate down to just one inquiry because years ago somebody well I'm gonna shop my loan I'm gonna try to find the best rate and they go right. to seven different places and that's seven different hard hits oh that don't, I mean I'll be honest that each credit score up so right. uh, they put that in place and it's strictly around the car lending shop, uh, process such as research all right mm-hmm. well I appreciate it all right Randy thanks for your call let's move on next we've got uh, Bob in DeSoto County good morning Bob go ahead please uh, yeah, I wanted to comment about the uh, payday loans and the title loans. Uh, I, I got trapped sort of in that uh, at one time, and uh, somebody told me, said, uh, well, we got a credit union here in Dakota County. Why don't you check with them? And uh, I went with them, and they had a certified uh, 
credit counselor, and uh, they were able to help me get back on track. And uh, I just uh, wanted to let everybody know that that was an alternate that they were actually there trying to help you and help you get out of a situation that you might be in. And it might be an option for some people that go get title loans or go get payday loans to, to try their local credit unions and see if they couldn't help uh, That's great. <laughs> yeah, because cre- a lot of credit unions are attached to your employer. Mm-hmm. So um, if they know that they can just take money straight out of your paycheck, they can work with you more mm-hmm. uh, than a local bank could. And so that's a great option. You know, you know, and honestly, in, in, the, in, the, in the lending world out there or, or the banks, or let's say banks, credit unions, uh, you know, honestly, there a lot of their people are stepping up and doing a lot of education work with consumers. I know Mississippi Credit Union Association, they've got um, uh, they've got a program that they're, they're that their credit union uh, member employees can go through um, uh, and get a training and kind of become a certified credit counselor. I mean, uh, our office is in that building, and I've seen them having meetings all the time and, and trainings. And uh, so that was, you know, he he brought out that was an option there to seek out. So that's a lot of times when you, as a consumer, when you start thinking about, well, I need to, if it's not a critical situation, like I got to do something like within the next hour, but. Sit back, think through situations and say, you know, if I'm going to borrow money, what's my goal of the money? Where can I go get my money or go get, get borrowed the money at the most competitive rate possible? What are avenues out there? And sometimes you have to plan ahead, you know. Um, uh, do I need to maybe go go to this member bank because I heard they maybe give a, you know, one, I'm just giving an example. Let me inquire and they give a 1% off on a car loan, you know. I, so just do your homework. All right, uh, Bob, thank you. Good suggestion. We've uh, talked about credit unions on here before, and I think that's a, a viable alternative. I think they're a little bit more member-centric, or they're set up that way, so that's always a, a good uh, a th- avenue to approach. And I think you could probably find uh, one credit union or another that you could qualify to be a member of. Time for another break. When we get back, Kathy's on the line with her question, and we've got some open phone lines for your question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one eight seven seven. We're talking about getting a loan, but also looking for any of your personal finance questions this morning. Back with more after this. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter-Janderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives. We've been talking primarily about getting a loan today or loaning money, uh, but we're looking for any kind of personal finance question that you have for us today at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. A quick follow-up to a question we had earlier. Someone was asking the whole FICA score, things like that. He'd asked if there's any kind of government regulation, and to the best of my understanding, that is just sort of the industry standard. Yeah, these are, I mean, uh, let's just change these to privately held companies. Government has nothing to do with them. And uh, they were set up, uh, structured, and again, um, Lenders don't report purport to all three. Lenders can report to just one, or lenders can report to two. Uh, and some lenders or some lending don't report at all. And um, it depends on, you know. Uh, so it's uh, it's interesting. We'll get questions about, well, you know, this shows up, this loan shows up on this credit report, but it doesn't show up another. Well, again, it's all back to who the lender reports to. And each lender has a different calculation mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for what they include and the weight they give for each item. Also understand that the score you need for a purchase of a house is different than the score that you need for the purchase of a car or just a basic uh, personal loan. All of that varies. Um, the Federal Reserve has a great video you can find out there that explains the FICO score, what makes up the score, um, what is uh, more heavily weighted than other things. And so it's really informative to look at that. All right. I'm sure just Google FICO score and you'd probably be able to find that online. Back to the phone lines we go. Kathy has called in this morning. Hello, Kathy. Go ahead, please. Hi. Good morning. Go ahead. Okay, my question is, I'm I'm really proud of myself of the progress that I've made as far as with my credit. I'm 50 years old, but I'm really proud. And it's actually only been the last 10 years that I've really understood the credit process and what it means. But uh, my question is like on medical issues, like when, you know, you have a family and you have all these medical things that come up and... You're trying to pay all these bills for, you know, with your medical, uh, your medical bills, but and it's scary because you're trying your best not to allow it to go over a time frame where they put it on your credit. So I don't have any on my credit, but um, wasn't it before where they were more lenient with medical things on your credit as far as now? Because I've been told at times where people have actually been making payments like to hospitals and stuff but still if it goes over a time frame where they don't make they don't pay off that balance they still can turn it over to a third party and put it on your credit even if you're making payments so i just wanted to find out as far as that with medical bills and stuff in your credit yeah, I would, you know, with the medical uh, facilities out there now, uh, yeah, years ago it used to be a little bit, you know, well, really a good bit more lenient. You could just, if I owed $2,000, I could pay $30 a month for the next four or five years. But um, uh, a lot of them have tightened it down where they want their money within six months, nine months, probably most out to about 12 months. Uh, you continue to pay them directly or in-house. Uh, after that, a lot of times they'll move it out to another uh, entity. Uh, um, could be a collection uh, company, um, uh, and sometimes the collection companies they won't, you know, honestly they won't report it 
um, on the bureau. As long as you work something out with them quickly on the front end, uh, but and then some of them will. If you don't, you know, if you ain't paid on it, then they will put it on the bureau. But um, you know, that's the biggest part. Going back, if you got medical bills, you know, try to negotiate negotiate a payment, uh, but also keep in mind that I've got to kind of address this quickly. Uh, but, uh, so again, I don't, you know, uh, I don't want to just kind of stack the bills over in the corner and forget about it for two or three months. And then it, then it becomes a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more question I have before I ask you, as far as the free credit bureau, one thing that I found out that two of them are so easy as far as with things, but you have one of those credit bureaus that is much much harder and intense than the others. I'm not going to say which one, but I'm going to go off air, but you, could you explain to me why? Why don't you tell us which one? You can go ahead and tell us. Well, I know it's not Equifax. I'm trying to remember. And it's because the, the two that you have when, uh, with... Uh, TransUnion or Experian, though, they're two. Okay. Um, now, with Credit Karma, the two that show up on Credit Karma is Equifax and whichever... Um, I think whichever two that are on Credit Karma, those are the two that's more easier to deal with. But the one that's not on Credit Karma, that's the one that seems to be, for so many people I hear about, that's more difficult as far as with any issue. Yeah. um not true. I don't honestly. I don't know. I mean, I know. Um, I know that. Uh, I think the, the these entities are located out of different areas, uh, and I somebody might have to help me out here. I think Equifax used to be in Chicago, TransUnion was Atlanta, then I think Experian was out on the West Coast. And um, uh, as I said earlier, some of the some of the lenders use you know they might use Experian or TransUnion, but they might not use Equifax. So uh, and sometimes I don't know. they use a combination of the three. They'll they'll take an yeah. average. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of time that's in the mortgage business. And yeah. they, they want it from all three to see what really I'm gonna get a full uh, interview of you and um, uh, but I, I really don't know outside that. So, and I, I mean, I guess you could say if they're willing to work with Credit Karma, that maybe they would be a little more user friendly. But uh, I, I, you know, it's been a, a couple of years, but I know that uh, when I got my credit reports, uh, I didn't really have any trouble getting any of them. So, also, you know, while we're talking about this, a reminder, and you might want to double check on this, but I thought that we had a news item. Uh, that uh, the uh, Attorney General's office here in Mississippi uh, is uh, you can get free uh, credit reports um, and credit uh, uh, statements. Uh, uh, so if uh, if you wanted to uh, try to figure out how to get that, uh, if you could maybe contact the Attorney General's office, because I think uh, there was something involved where they sued for the, the citizens of Mississippi, and that was the outcome of it, that we have uh, access to uh, to credit reports and scores uh, for a limited yeah, amount scores of scores because the credit reports are available right, to everybody right. um, at uh, free or no annualcreditreport.com. Annual Got it. <laughs> Got another caller on the line. We're saying good morning this time to April, who's in DeSoto County. Good morning, April. Good morning. What do you have for us? Well, I just wanted to weigh in on the on the lending that you're talking about. Uh, good rates on loans and and good service, and uh, just to, to chime in on the credit union side, because in my opinion, our credit union that I am a member of, you walk in that door and they treat you really with respect and uh, like a small-town credit union, but my credit union is community-wide. It's covering the soda and, and the surrounding counties, and um, they, they offer financial guidance on if you've got low credit scores, how to go about bringing up that score. Uh, I've had loans with that credit union and love love banking there. And 
they just really put a lot of time into sitting down and talking with you about a loan and where you're headed and, and how to get that best rate. I think people don't really realize that about credit unions. Right. All right, April, thanks for the call. Again, a, another good uh, endorsement of, uh, of credit unions. They're, they serve a good purpose, and again, I think they're more member-centric than maybe some other uh, financial institutions, so certainly uh, something to uh, find out what one in your area that you would qualify for and investigate what uh, financial options are available there for you. You know, Chris, remember in the beginning, we talked about some things that uh, lenders consider, and we talked about income and credit, and again, you know, trying to determine your credit worthiness for your ability to repay a loan. You also had mentioned purpose, which I thought was interesting, so I guess the idea is if you're applying for a car loan and you say you want $200,000, obviously that doesn't wash. I mean, is it part of the purpose to help them understand how much money they should be lending? Yeah, I mean, when, you know, what's the purpose of the loan? And certain, you know, certain purposes are, uh, I want to borrow money to do this. And, and it could be, you know, what is against the lender's policy to do that. And, um, uh, you know, it, but all these little things have to add up, the scores, the, you know, how much, uh, yeah, what's the monthly payment. Um, uh, yeah, if you're going to buy a $200,000 car, you you know, you've got to have a pretty good income structure on a monthly basis. <laughs> Well, the other thing so. is they're looking also, is this a collateralized loan or an unsecured loan? And uh, a secured loan or collateralized loans mean there is an asset backing up that loan. So if it's a car, they're not going to loan you more than a certain percentage value of that car as they see it. Uh, same thing with a house. Typically, they're only going to loan you 80% of the current value of the house because then if you don't pay, they take your house or they take your car. Um, an unsecured loan, when your credit cards, uh, when you use those credit cards, those are unsecured. There's no asset they can take away from you. All they can do is hurt your credit if you don't pay. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we've got Ann on the line in Tennessee. We'll get to her call. And also, we have some open phone lines for your call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email. It's money at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this short break. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. The following is a severe weather alert from MPB Radio. We'll get you back to more Money Talks in just a minute. A uh, tornado warning has been issued for Walthall County in Mississippi until 10.30 a.m. That is a tornado warning for Walthall County until 10.30 a.m. Also, the vast majority of the southern part of the state of Mississippi is under a tornado watch until 2 o'clock. So uh, keep uh, the radio tuned to MPB Think Radio for all of your weather information. Again, a tornado warning for Walthall County has been issued by the National Weather Service in Jackson until 10.30 a.m. So make sure uh, that you keep an eye on the weather and keep your radio tuned to MPB. 
Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell with Chris Burford and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. Uh, as Sam Wells reminded you, uh, there is some severe weather working its way through Mississippi this morning, and we will stay on top of that. So stay tuned to MPB Think Radio. We'll keep you up to date as the severe weather tracks through the state. We've got a caller on the line, so we go off to Tennessee. Ann has called in today. Good morning, Ann. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a very quick question. My mother just died, and um, um, I received five thousand dollars from her estate um and i and tennessee does not have an inheritance tax i'm told so does that mean that this income is not taxable and i just wanted to listen off the air if that's okay um and can i ask you one question sure um so this was just cash that came out to you it wasn't shares of stock no Okay, so the chances are that you're not going to have to pay any tax on it. And um, what we have with inheritance, and I'm sorry about the loss of your mom, is that um, once that person dies, their assets get what is called a stepped-up cost basis. And so now what you would pay tax on would be that new cost basis, the value on the day of her death, versus what it was when you sold it. So if it's cash, you really probably don't have anything to pay on that. And so you should be free and clear. Okay. So, for instance, if there were any any forthcoming um, assets like stocks or whatever, how, how does that work? Well, if there were stocks or, for instance, if it was a house. Mm-hmm. So if it was a house, then the value of that house on the day of her death would be the new value. So, for instance, maybe she only paid 30000 for it when many years ago, and it's worth 100000 On the day of her death, now the value is considered 100000 And when it is sold, and maybe it's sold for uh, a year later for 110000 mm-hmm. then you only have a gain of 10000 on the new stepped-up cost basis and only pay tax at the capital gains rate on that piece. So you get a, um, a really good break on those appreciated assets. Okay, okay. Um, and then if there were stocks or something that um, uh, were inherited, then how... How would that work? Well, it's the same way as the house. So oh. you, you can look up the value of the stocks. And what we do is we look up, well, what was the um, uh, average price of the stock on the day of her death? And you have a death certificate to verify that. Mm-hmm. Then that is your new basis for tax purposes. That's as if you paid that amount for it and you're only going to pay tax on any gain from that. And there could be a loss. Sure, I understand. And is that for the, the the year, the calendar year that you might receive that, and then you take care of all that then, and then, then you're well, done? Well, it's, it's, it's in the year that you sell it, okay? So if you take ownership of, for instance, if you just move into her house, um, or, or you take, let's go back to the stocks, unless you just take ownership of the stocks, but if you don't sell them, then you don't have tax to pay. You only have a tax liability if you actually sell something and there is and you sell it for more than the value of the day on the day that she died. Okay. 
All right. Thank you so much. I okay. Appreciate. You know, and Nancy, that brings a question. What if, you know, what if it was a, somebody had uh, passed away and they had a, you know, uh, IRA, and so money was in IRA, and we're leaving it to a family member or a child, let's say a child, What's the process there? Is there any taxable base there? Uh, or anything? there that's different. Okay, so if we're talking retirement accounts, um, we're we're dealing with a whole different ball game. And so I'm assuming this five thousand that she talked about is not in a retirement account. So any money that is in a retirement account is going to be taxed when it is distributed, not when you take ownership into an account with your name on it, but when you take it totally out and you use it. Um, and there are different laws for how you can take ownership and how you have to take that money out over a period of years, depending on whether you are a spouse or um, another or a non-spouse, let's put it that way. So there are the different rules on that. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, about five minutes left in the show, so we might be able to work in a quick phone call at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven. 672-7464 is our phone number. So, Nancy, we talked a little bit about the secured loan and unsecured loan. Um, <clears throat> so does that factor into how much money? Uh, so an unsecured loan, I think, is the more risky one. So in terms of the amount of money loaned, uh, the rate at which the interest rate uh, or both. I mean, in other words, is an unsecured loan going to get you less money, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, no, let's put it another way. An unsecured loan, they will charge you more. Okay. Because uh, risk and return are going to be connected. So if that lender is taking on more risk because I don't have, you know, something I can take away from you if you don't pay me. So you have some motivation to pay me or and I have something I can get my money out of. Um, I'm taking more risk on you. If your credit rating is lower, I'm taking a higher risk. So I should charge you more. It's the reason that you see credit cards with people with questionable credit records, you know, maybe 25, 30 percent is what they're charging them. Versus if you have a good credit record, you may be in the, you know, 10 to 12 percent range. Um, so all of that factors into how they price that money. Remember, when you borrow money, there is a price for it. It is the interest rate that shows up on your credit card statement, that shows up on your mortgage statement, on your car loan. All of that goes into how they figure out what they charge you. See, if I loan Nancy five dollars, I just ask her to pay me back five. But if I loan you five, Kevin, <laughs> I'm, you owe me a ten dollar lunch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with a hundred percent there. But it is more than on the on the rate charge as opposed to the amount that they would be willing to loan. Right. Now, the, when you, it comes to a credit card, those credit limits are going to be related to the risk that they're taking. So if they're not sure about you, if they're, you know, I don't have as much of a record, this is a brand new account, maybe I'm only going to give you a limit of $1,000. But after a while and I get to know you and I can see that you are paying on time, I'll bump that up to 5000 and it's always interesting to me. Uh, I remember one time I had asked for uh, to have my interest rate lowered, and they said, well, we won't do that, but we'd be glad to increase your credit limit. Of course they will. <laughs> You've been spending so much money, we're going to give you even more to spend was uh, sort of the thought now, there. They'll lower your limit if you ask them to do that. But, okay. Like, yeah, but, but, yes. But, well, yes. you know, like I think. Because those limits will factor into your credit scores, especially if you're looking to, you know, buy a house or car and can ding you that way. All right, uh, we've got about a minute left, and I think, again, we talked a lot about uh, credit reports and scores, so um, let's let's review. First of all, you can go to annualcreditreport.com and get a free report 
Uh, every 12 months from each uh, credit reporting agency, and you've got three of them out there. Right. Uh, it will not give you a score, but it'll give you everything else you need. You can get a free score if you get denied credit. Okay. So anybody who tells you, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you that loan, you can immediately then ask for the score. And I think if they update your bureau, if you write some letters in and say, look, there's some incorrect information, update anything, I think they'll send you a score back to it. Don't hold me to that. I just That's just in my mind all of a sudden. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think there is something uh, with the Attorney General uh, d- uh, in a lawsuit. Uh, so if you're interested in possibly getting a free credit score, which I think Mississippians are able to get, uh, contact the Attorney General's office, and I think someone there would be able to tell you the procedure. But again, so it's like three credit reporting bureaus, one free each year. So you could say each, every four months in the year, get a different credit report to, just to keep track of your credit score. And I would score. just say to you, remember, for your lenders, they're trying to make the most they can on you. They want to charge you the highest rate possible. For you, you want to pay the least. That means shopping around, keeping that credit report clean so you can get a good interest rate credit. Great way to wrap things up. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way you can do so is to visit mpbonline.org slash talks. Our show was produced by Sam Wells and our call screener today was Java Chapman. For Chris Burford and Nancy Dr. Jenners and I'm Kevin Farrell inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks right here on MPB Think Radio.